1: Hi, Paul Dennett here. Just letting you know that Cricket Unfiltered is now on Patreon. If you are a fan of our show and would like to support us with a few dollars each month, go to patreon.com slash cricket unfiltered or click the link in the show notes on your podcast app.
3: Menes here. Our Patreon supporters will also get some pretty cool bonus content. Paul will be doing a series of cricket history podcasts.
1: And Menes will be doing long-form interviews with leading cricket personalities.
3: All of these shows, plus other bonus features, will be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters.
1: So if you want some great extra content, or if you just love the show and would like to help support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash cricket unfiltered. We've caught up through our line groups today, batting, bowling and, and fielding.
3: Yeah, just last one, Josh. Um, Just quickly, I heard Alex Carey talking about line meetings on a, an interview yesterday. Have you sort of bringing in AFL terms now to the cricket team, like lines? I've
4: got, you've lost there, I've got no idea about line meetings.
3: Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I, I must have just been Carey getting back to his Giants days. Thank you. <laughs> Crisis averted.
4: That's
3: right. Crisis averted, indeed. And lucky for you listeners, I was ready to wind up off a long run, Mad Men is steaming in from the um, Rand weekend, but instead I've been calmed down because obviously AFL is not taking over cricket and there are no line meetings happening on the Australian Cricket Tour. Welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm, of course, Andrew Menzel. I'm joined by Jaleesa Apps and Paul Dennett. Jaleesa, I'm not mad anymore
0: um that's good because i was with uh, hoff i had no idea what you what 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 line meetings were i didn't know what i mean i don't i'm not the biggest afl fan so maybe i hadn't come across that before but i was like when you sent that in the group chat because you said in the group chat about carrie saying it i was like i don't know what you're talking about Menace.
3: <laughs> and paul um i was ready to call for Langer's head and carrie's head but no nah, i think i'll um let it go now
1: yeah, uh, I don't know what line meetings are either in the AFL. Are they a thing, or is this something you've just missed no, up
3: no, it misunderstood? <laughs> no, no, so I've asked um, of some AFL journalists and fans, and yes, you know, I think you have a you know a forward line meeting and a, a midfield line meeting and a defensive line meeting. And Sounds
0: like a corporate term.
3: But it's terrible that Carey was using this term as his first press conference as Australian cricket captain. Um, what? But if. He, he was saying that, oh, you know, we had our line meetings within the Australian cricket squad, meaning, you know, the bowlers are one line and the batters are one line and what you have the spinners another line. I, I mean, I'm so glad this is actually fake news. I think it was just Kerry going I think crit.
0: it's you creating fake news. I think <laughs> it's you,
1: manus. I don't think there's such a thing as I, line meetings.
0: I don't think anyone even cares. You know,
3: did, but listen again. Uh, we've caught no,
0: up I don't need to listen line line. again. I heard yeah. it.
3: We've caught up through our line groups, so I didn't I heard make it. Up.
0: Well, I didn't make it up. I didn't. No, sort but, of- like I think he's just using a term. I think you're like making this weird like news that doesn't exist. We mustn't have a lot to talk about today.
3: I just thought that yeah. AFL was taking over cricket, that Justin Langer was going, all right, let's oh divide up God. into lines, circa West Coast Eagles, and um, bang, here we go. But fortunately, I think it was just Gary misspeaking or something. He did that's say, just you.
1: It's just you. It doesn't exist. It's, it's not just a thing. you. It's like saying, oh, I don't want AFL to take over cricket because all this swimming that's coming in, and, you know, they swim a lot in AFL. They don't. They don't have line meetings. They don't swim. They don't it's- play water polo.
3: But Kerry said it two or three times in the interview. It wasn't just- So maybe that's just the
0: term that he's using. Like maybe it's a, a corporate, corporate term. term. Yeah. That's what it's I'm saying.
3: That's why I sought clarification from Josh Hazelwood. He's clarified that. Uh, well, the-, the good thing is that Hazelwood now thinks you're a bit of a fool. Well, he doesn't think I'm a fool. He
0: doesn't it's think I'm a, a wasted fool. question.
3: Uh, that wasn't the only question I asked. And uh, I wasn't the one. I know you're going to walkley for it, then. <laughs> I, I guess walkley clears up a line gr- group meeting um, controversy. Yeah, I didn't make this up. Kerry said it a few times. I was triggered by it. Um, but look, Justin Langer can keep his job. Alex Kerry can keep his temporary job now that that's just been cleared up. Ah, oh, Well, lot to get through in today's show, clearly. Um,
4: clearly
0: not.
3: A couple of performances, a couple of matches for the Aussie team. The domestic schedule has been released for next summer, although it comes out with a a giant dark cloud looming over it. Um, And then we've got Can't Let It Go and all the cricket news to cover. But let's start with the... The appointment of Alex Carey as temporary one-day skipper, Aaron Finch was ruled out of the uh, first match of this one-day series and Carey has, has been given the role. Um, what do you two think of the appointment? I think it indicates that, uh, like, they could have given it to someone like Wade or Enriquez or someone quite experienced, but they, they're looking to the future and giving Carey a, a bit of a chance.
0: I think Carey is experienced. I don't. I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think that he's played a lot more international cricket than uh, Henrique So I actually think he is more experienced.
1: I'm happy for him to take over as 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 captain because I think that he's worthy spot in the side, and I think the innings prove that. That if he hadn't played that innings, Australia may well have collapsed. He continues to score runs when others struggle. He did it at the World Cup, and I'm happy for him to be in the side and and as always, I really don't care who captain is.
3: <laughs> yeah. Good reward for Kerry, who was vice captain for a while there. So Australia went into the first one day in Barbados. They had three debutants: Ben McDermott, Josh Philippe, and Wes Agar. Uh, I was really thrilled for all of them. Actually, uh, Ben McDermott and Wes Agar were both on this podcast about this time last year during our winter series. So if you haven't listened to them, go back. Um, it was interesting telling Ben McDermott all about his dad's career. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so three debutantes in that first game. Um, Wes Agar, though, really pleased for him. I don't know if both of you saw the the footage of Ashton presenting Wes his one-day cap.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, it was a beautiful scene, had Ashton Agar... Um, really tearing up and when he was presenting where's his um, what cap and really beautiful moment a really special moment for that family look where's has been on this podcast Ashton's been on a couple of times they are both terrific young men they've, they've both gone public with their battles with mental health they've made enormous sacrifices to play for Australia moving into state so uh, I think it was a great story that Wes got a debut. He bowled pretty well, and that was a really moving scene.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed our chat with Wes this time last year. He's about the nicest person I think I've ever interviewed, so um, great to see him make the Australian side.
3: So Australia batted first. They made 252 for nine. Alex Carey top-scored with 67. Ashton Turner made 49, which I'm guessing, Paul, made you very happy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah! I haven't had much luck this year with my, um, my favourites. Poor old Dan Christian um, hasn't had the greatest tour, so it was good that finally um, something came off. And it's going to be an interesting last couple of ca- games for Turner, because you wouldn't say at this stage that he's really done enough to force his way into contention for the Australian side when it's at full strength. But a couple of big scores in the last two games, the opportunity's there for him.
3: It's a very strange batting order for Australia. You had Josh Felipe, Ben McDermott opening with Mitch Marsh at three, it was a very inexperienced top order, especially I the won- pair.
0: I wondered looking at that, um, if they were sort of still trying to nut out the World Cup, like just trying to get see what people could do perhaps in the World Cup for the twenty twenty side, because it was a bit of a strange order. And maybe because it hasn't really been settled in twenty twenty, they were sort of trying to give opportunities in one day to sort of see what people could do.
3: Yeah, I think they were. And uh, you could see Matt Wade was well down the order. Obviously this match seems to have an eye to the future with Carey's appointment and the youngsters up the top of the order. Uh, There there was an interesting moment. And Jaleesa, I'm really curious on your opinion on this and Paul's, of course, but Mm. uh, Mitch Marsh was um, out. Well, he was, There was an appeal for him caught down leg side. The umpire gave it not out. Mitch Marsh stood there. And then as soon as um, the West Indian skipper Pollard reviewed the decision, Mitch Marsh just walked off because he knew he gloved it. He didn't need to sort of wait for the replay. Julissa, where are you on batters walking?
0: Uh, I look, I think if it's bleedingly obvious, you look a bit silly but I don't think you should walk because I think at the end of the day, um, it all sort of comes out in the wash. You get some, you lose some. And it's up to the onus now. I guess maybe I felt a little bit different about it when you couldn't review um, back in the day. I think probably you it was a little bit the onus was on you to sort of be a bit more of a decent person. But the onus is now on that side to review so i don't think that it's up to you to walk and i don't think you should walk you're letting down your side if you do
3: agree paul
1: yeah i don't think this part of things is, is an issue like the notion of players when they know that they've hit it and the review goes up walking off um that that's fine like i mean it's just another example of how great drs is that it's removed a major controversy from the game so mitch marsh knew he hit it Got given not give out. Once they, once he realised they were going to review it, he knew there'd be a massive spike. So off he walked. The interesting thing that DRS and the technology has shown to me is that it's revealed the truism that we always thought that the batter knows when they've hit the ball, has always knows when they've hit the ball, has been revealed to uh, not be true. So I, I, I used to always think that players should walk because it made the game better. But DRS has removed the whole need for it. And so these days I wouldn't walk because maybe you didn't realise that you actually hit it. Um, and DRS, as I say, has, has obviated the need for it.
3: Yeah. We saw darwood Milan play for England last week in a T20. He was given out, caught behind and just walked off when he was given out, didn't review it and he'd missed it and it hit his pad. So he clearly didn't know if he'd hit it or not. So your point spot on Paul. And I agree with both of you. I don't think there should be any onus on a batter to watch walk, especially now that there's a, a review system and, You know, Mitch Marsh was given a bit of stick as he walked off, but I think um, there was nothing wrong with what he did. Uh, If you give a nod out, it's up to the fielding team to review. If they review, happy days. If you're out, you're out. If not, um, game moves on. So I I don't see any problem with what Mitch Marsh did. So it's a good total for Australia, 252 for nine. And then it was catastrophe for the West Indies top order, completely destroyed by a fired-up Josh Hazelwood and Mitch Stark. At one stage, the West Indies were 27 for six. Um, in the end, Josh Hazelwood finished with the incredible figures of three for 11, and Mitchell Stark um, – Finished with the figures of five for forty-eight. I think it was his eighth five-wicket haul in one-day cricket, which he's by far the fastest bowler I think to ever get to that mark, and he's only one behind Brett Lee's nine five-wicket hauls for Australia. Quite incredible.
1: I want to get to that and acknowledge how well Mitchell Stark is bowling. But Menace, for someone who doesn't really like England, what's come over you? You're saying the score in the in the English fashion all of a sudden. Um, the, the 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 runs before wickets
3: what's going on i think this must be a symptom of cricket daily the other podcast that we're doing the fact that i'm I'm getting scores from all around the world i'm trying to be i'm trying to be more of a sort of global menace i think paul um global menace i'm changing my brand um so i'm moving from sort of you know an aussie menace mad still there julissa but yeah more global i think yeah but even
1: on cricket daily i still say the score the, the australian way around and as much as I decry the Americans for not using the metric system, standard rebuff from Americans is, well, the imperial system's what sent man to the moon. And I say, well, yeah, our way of scoring is what won us five World Cups. <laughs>
3: um, all right. Well, I'm not going to get into a debate about the way I say the score, but just back on the Stark point, he's, so his eighth five-wicket hall came in his 97th ODI. The, the next best bowler was Waka Yunus who took 137 ODIs. And it's 135th innings. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's quite incredible how good Mitchell Stark is at 50 over cricket.
1: It's wonderful that he has suddenly recovered some form. He was not bowling very well over the last few months, copped a decent amount of criticism. And I think that criticism was warranted. But by the same token, um, to see him swinging the ball in again to the right-hander and looking back to his devastating best, uh, I couldn't be happier. And love for him to go on and have a really dominant World Cup
3: I guess the issue for Stark is um, you know, making this, I guess, more common. Like we've seen glimpses of his best in the last year, but it hasn't been consistent. He might have bowled, like say you and I, Paul, we saw him bowl a couple of good spells for New South Wales in the shield, but then he would come back and the next spell wouldn't be that good. So I guess it's about um, you know, putting good performances together.
0: Definitely consistency is a bit of a problem for him at the moment. Uh, still, I think even with how well he has done in the, past couple of games maybe mask the fact that in those first couple of uh, 2020 he was still very expensive so it's just it's always been a problem for him There's this consistency is you sort of get rocks or diamonds and you can't really afford that in a world cup
3: someone who is very consistent is josh hazelwood and i asked him a couple of questions today about his prospects for the T20 World Cup. Have a listen. Hey, Josh. um, After missing the 2019 World Cup squad, how important is it for you to force your way into the T20 World Cup team?
4: Um, I I just take every game as it comes, really. Um, I haven't played a lot of T20 cricket for Australia, and it's just good to get a run of games together and and work on a few things against arguably probably one of the best teams in the world, West Indies. Um, So it was also good to watch the way they went about it, and um, they're obviously specialists in that format and just to watch their quicks and and their players go about their business, um, you can learn a lot there as well. So um, I'm just happy to be playing T20 for Australia and um, whatever that looks like down the track, that'll take care of itself.
3: And just last one, is, is it the way the West Indian bowlers mixed up their pace that makes them quite effective?
4: Yeah, I think a few of the guys are a little bit different. Um, some did that, some, you know, hit wide yorkers against the wind. So I think whatever... Whatever your strength is, I think you just gotta to stick to it and, and and make the batter sort of hit you off that. They've all got a sort of an identity of how they bowl in T twenty and they stick to that for for as long as they can.
3: Yeah, Hazelwood for me is definitely in our T twenty World Cup team now.
4: Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, and for
1: he's sure. A, his famous fourth stump line when he's bowling, he's got that with that first answer, I reckon. Um, his true answer was damn bloody straight, I wanna be part of the World Cup team and they were incompetent not picking me last time. That's what he wanted. <laughs> <to be. laughs>
3: I agree. Uh, <laughs> What, what did you think of Zampa's haircut? <laughs> He's gone with the, like, shaved head that clearly one of his teammates has done. Well, tonight it's,
0: it's just a throwback to all of us in ISO, isn't it? He's done an ISO haircut. Just get it all off.
3: Yeah, looks pretty rude.
1: <laughs> I can't criticise anyone's haircut with mine.
3: Uh, So, yeah, look, um, West Indies were 27 for six. They ended up being all out for 123 by my mass. And you can correct me, Paul, but that's a a 129 run victory for Australia. And Uh,
1: That's wrong, I think.
3: 132?
1: I think because we got our score bumped up by four by DRS.
3: Ah, there we go. 133 runs then. Third time lucky. Um, So... Then the only highlights, I guess, for West Indies were Kieran Pollard smacked a 50, took on Adam Zampa. Uh, what did you think of that?
1: Oh, I think the other highlight for them was, was Hayden Walsh, their spinner, and that was the real concern for the Aussies, that although we ended up winning the game by a, a mountainous margin, we still looked very ordinary against the spin. And um, the Hussein also um, looked pretty good. They took seven wickets between them. And, geez, you know, Carey was well set, Mr. slog sweep. Filipe backs away, gets bowled in a sort of un, unimpressive way. And Marek has Turner, away and Stark, all sort of half-hearted top edges where the ball bounced a little bit more, our uh, fragility against spin on wickets that do a bit just remains as it always has. And on the flip side, uh, you know, when you look at Rashid Khan or Shamsi or someone or some of the Indian bowlers when they come on, In a T20 context, I sometimes think, well, that's four overs that are going to be uh, strengths for the bowling side. Zampa does that sometimes, um, and other times he doesn't do it. Um, You know, I'm just not sure uh, where he's at. Sometimes he looks one of the best bowlers in the world, and then he gets taken apart in the next game. And I know always bowlers in T20, um, that can happen. But I just think our spin um, ability against it and our ability with it is still a major concern.
0: I actually prefer Swepson over Zampa. I just don't think Zampa um, spins enough. I just, it just, some sometimes it's just these, you know, he's getting flogged around and I actually, yeah, I don't, I'm i not a huge fan of him.
3: Yeah, I also think they should give um, the youngster a Tanvir Sanger a go in one of these two games because I like the idea of Australia taking a, a mystery spinner to the World Cup in their back pocket.
1: What's happened to... Ashton Agar, why is he suddenly out of the side? I don't understand
3: that. I'm not sure either. I thought he would have been in our um, 50 overside, but clearly they've gone um, the other way. Not sure why, though. I find that very-
0: no one's really overly, you know, solid in that spot. I, there's, there's a young spinner coming through. I think that there's opportunity there. Mm. I think
3: Ashton probably hasn't quite excelled in either format yet for Australia. So he's quite a handy batter. He's quite a handy bowler. But is he good enough in either to get picked? I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. He's kind of He suffers from the fact that Australia doesn't have the same length of batting as England does. So Adil Rashid can bat at kind of number 11 um, for England. And he's a very, very handy number 11, which is a strange thing to say. Agar, when he tends to get put in at sort of um, eight, That you sort of think that's a spot or two too high, given he doesn't quite have the, the power hitting game.
3: And uh, since our last recording, Australia lost the final T20 match of their series. So the it ended up being a 4-1 series loss for Australia. A very convincing win for the West Indies in that final game. They made eight for 199. Evan Lewis, 79 of 34 with nine sixes. Get him in the big bash, please. Australia in reply made nine for one hundred and eighty-three. I guess the pain was Jason Berendorf's bowling. He his three overs went and a runs conceded of fifteen point three three, so forty-six runs off his three overs. Um, yeah, just not a good T20 series for Australia. We really laid into them last match, a uh, last podcast.
1: I could have apologized to Aaron Finch because I criticised him the other day for. Bowling uh, Meredith instead of Berendorf, and maybe, maybe he knew that's the reason why. But yeah, I think poor old Berendorf has bowled himself, um, not done himself much favours, many favours on this tour. Australia getting nine for 183, although they lost handsomely, that wasn't actually that bad an effort batting second, especially given what about our tail? Is that the worst uh, lower order in the history of T20 cricket for Australia? Andrew Tai at seven. What is going on? Webster 8, Berendorf 9, Zampa 10 and Hazelwood 11.
0: That's crazy. You shouldn't get down that far though in 2020. Like we should be doing a lot better, you know, further up the order than having to get that far.
1: Of course, but the reality is that um, often you do get that far down and and part of the strength of sides like England has been that by having a a strong lower order, they can, if they are suddenly three for 30, they don't have to consolidate. They can still go hard. I, I think that Lower order batting strength in T Twenty cricket is one of the main determiners of how successful the side is.
3: I agree. Those crucial little cameos where you have to face, you know, an over two, an over or two at the end, and we've seen the West Indians excel at it. Carlos Brathwaite, Jason Holder, Andre Russell. They all can come out and just immediately wind up um, with not many balls left. What about the catch to dismiss Aaron Finch? If if you're listening and you haven't seen it, Google Fabian oh, catch. Yeah. That was one of the most exhilarating things I've seen. So, overall, I would say, Paul, no one really did much for their T20 reputation in that series, apart from maybe Mitch Marsh.
0: Oh, what about Hazelwood?
3: I guess Hazelwood, but he kind of, he started well, but they did take to him towards the end of the series. But, yeah, Hazelwood did pretty well. But generally, your man Christian, my man Matt Wade, Jason Berendorf, Enriquez, none of them grasped what was a big opportunity. No, I
1: agree, uh, Menes. I, I think that Mitchell Marsh is the standout uh, main performer. And I mean, I've said it so many times, I've bagged him over the years, but if he keeps on playing in this form, uh, I'm more than happy for him to be in the side um, going forward. He looks like he has really risen a level with both bat and ball. And I think it's down to just hard work. Um, And I'm starting to really like him a lot, as I said last show. I agree with Jaleesa. I think Hazelwood improved, although he did get hit around a bit. Um, But, yeah, I think that the, um, you know, I think Carey, um, when you factor in the first one-day side, one-day game, and Stark have been uh, sort of on the up as well. But Christian, Meredith, Berendorf, Enriquez, even Finch, Wade, have probably had um, uh, their reputations dropped a bit by the series so far.
3: Yeah, agree. Not a good series at all. Very good for players like Manus Labashane. And, well, I guess what your point about Steve Smith is coming back to haunt me, Paul, because maybe we will need someone that solid in the middle order.
1: Yeah, there's always a place for the um, second best batsman in the history of the nation. I think that's a, a pretty good rule of thumb that if you've got someone <laughs> better than anyone we've ever had except Don Bradman, you probably should pick him.
3: <laughs> I'm just going to let that one go. Uh, all right. Uh, next bit of news Mitchell Stark made some interesting comments to the media earlier this week about the Australian players going back to the IPL he was asked in a press conference then he was asked on radio what he thinks about the players potentially going back to the IPL and he said he would keep his personal feelings to himself but if reading between the lines, I don't think he's particularly thrilled with it, and and now that's Aaron Finch, Tim Payne, and Mitchell Stark have have all gently aired their concerns over the last month or so. Uh, I I think there is a feeling within the Australian camp that maybe some of the players now need to prioritise Australian cricket for the rest of the year.
0: I think it's um it's really just I'm sort of sick of hearing the opinions or well I guess Stark didn't give his opinion so I can't really give it to him but. Um, the opinions of players who don't play IPL or like Aaron Finch were not picked up by a side. So I I just think they they probably Stark's response is good. Keep your opinions to yourself. It doesn't really affect you. So yeah, I I I don't know why they'd be against it because as Paul has been pointing out for some time now, it would help get the condition you know get them used to the conditions ahead of the World Cup. So I don't know why there's such a push against it, but I also think like just sort of have your teammates back a little bit too and, and just go, oh, it's their decision or, or whatever. I think there needs to be a bit more of a team mentality.
1: For me, it's that whole preparation thing that is the the sticking point. And it's a point that Menas um, and I seem to flash heads on. Putting aside whether or not playing in the UAE beforehand is good preparation and just for argument's sake saying if it was regarded as good preparation, then and only then, I think all the Australians should be over there Playing in the in the IPL solely because that is in the national interest, but if it's deemed that that's not necessary, then I'm a hundred. I'm actually a hundred percent with Stark's unstated opinion and with what Finch said that I think that they um, they shouldn't go and play, especially those who missed this West Indies tour because it is time to prioritise the national interest. But I do think it probably is good preparation, so it's kind of a moot
3: point. Just on that with the team mentality, I guess Mitchell Stark would say. Why don't these players put the Australian team ahead of their own interests sometimes? And they've missed this tour because they needed to rest after the IPL. If they then go on the play in the IPL, uh, that's no good. Also, what about if they go and play in the IPL, go and play in the World Cup, then they have to rest at home during the domestic summer. So I sort of see where Stark's coming from. But sometimes I think we forget that Stark probably um, – you know, gives up a few million every year by not going to the IPL. So good on him for prioritising his rest in Australian cricket.
1: Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting how that'll be viewed in years to come because I think it's great that he does. But in 50 years' time, people, if they ever look back on it, it might look like someone who's declined to go to the NBA because they wanted to um, devote themselves to the NBL, which is, you know, <laughs> when the IPL rules the world totally, it'll be, it might look strange. <laughs>
3: All right, our final headline, actually two more. The major one is the Australian domestic schedule has been announced and they are going back to a full Marsh Sheffield Shield program, so home and away, 31 matches, and they're going back to their um, full-up Marsh one-day cup schedule, which is not a full home and away uh, tournament, but they're still playing more than they did last year. I guess the interest is around the preparation for the Ashes And they've prioritized a lot of red ball cricket before the big bash. So there'll be six rounds of Sheffield shield cricket before the big bash, five rounds before the Afghanistan test. Then they're playing one round of Sheffield shield during the Afghanistan test. So, If you're a player looking to play in the Ashes, you could potentially have six first-class matches before the first test. And then even on top of that, they're playing an Australia A game while the first Ashes test is going on. So, look, the concerns around Australia's preparation for the Ashes have been slightly diminished for me because I think this is pretty good prep.
1: Yeah, I never really had that many concerns about them in terms of not having played test cricket during the year. I think think that's the sort of thing that the media find is a nice thing to say, but in reality, it's it's just just not borne out. They're still playing cricket. Um, All you need is a little bit of preparation in the prevailing
3: conditions. The women's domestic cricket schedule begins on September 23rd when the WNCL gets underway. And I guess my only disappointment with the Sheffield Shield was that there's, again, no pink ball matches. So they're not actually... Um, Playing any pink ball, day, night, shield, cricket again – That'll be the fourth consecutive season with no Day-Night Shield matches. And they're not experimenting with the Dukes ball anymore, so they're just going to play with the Kookaburra ball. Uh, There is some feeling that the Dukes ball takes the the spinners out of the match, and with Australia set to go to the subcontinent next year on three tours, perhaps that's one reason they're using the Kookaburra ball to to bring the spinners into the game. But I think they're missing a big opportunity with Day-Night Shield cricket. I think it could actually be very popular and they should persist with it
0: yeah i totally agree with you man is, is that part of the reason why you know that they just don't get people at these games is because people are busy during the day but it's like perfect conditions in the summer it's wouldn't you just love to sort of wander off and be a wanderer from work and go and watch um you know some of the sheffield shield i think it's a huge missed opportunity to get audiences back into it rather than just treating it as preparation for test matches.
3: Our final cricket headline. Congratulations to my man from Western Australia, originally from Yorkshire, Josh Inglis, who finished as the leading run scorer in the T20 blast. He made 531 runs at a strike rate. Now, Paul, don't fall off your chair here. 176. Wow. Wow. That's an incredible strike! Wow, rate.
0: that's incredible.
3: Uh, Manus,
1: Almost as much as Dan Christian in the uh, Big Bash.
3: Manus did well with 390 runs. Just let that go through. To that game.
0: went well for him.
3: Um, so yeah, J- Josh Inglis. I really think he is such a massive talent. I know that they've put a lot of investment into Alex Carey and what he's going to bring because he was, you know, head of the, you know, captain of the Giants and all that stuff. But what about this <laughs> great talent? <laughs> Josh Inglis, he's doing it in all forms of cricket, 50 over cricket. We saw in the March one day cup at the back half of the season. We've seen him score hundreds in shield cricket. He's now lighting up T20 cricket. We just cannot ignore a talent like this. Australia's batting stops are so depleted. Uh, He must be fast tracked. He's one of the most dazzling, exciting players I've seen for a long time. And, um, yeah, I, I just think we need to get him in there.
1: I agree. I mean, get him in there for sure. And the fact that he's a keeper is neither here nor there. I mean, who cares which line he stands on? Menace to quote your own <laughs> personal terminology that only you use. No, Alex Carey. <laughs> <laughs> if he's in the top seven bats batters, then let's get him in. I, I'm all for him being in the in the squad for for future tours and and potentially for the World Cup.
3: Yep. I have interviewed him once. I don't know if you remember this story, Paul, but I asked the Perth Scorchers for a player for the Big Smash Cricket podcast, their old podcast, and the media manager there gave me Josh Inglis and said, oh, you can interview him this afternoon. And just before I went to interviewing him, I read that he'd been cut from the Scorchers squad.
0: Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, is, I that, is, that, is that media manager still working? Well, I...
3: I was taking a nice attitude at this. I don't think the media manager knows who's going to get cut from the squad. So when she lined him up, I don't think she knew. Uh, but he was a lovely guy. He's from originally from Leeds in Yorkshire and came out here when he was quite young. Um, so terrific player, big English fan. Get him on. All right, let's take a break and then we'll be back with viewer mail and can't let it go. Before we go to the break, I just want to congratulate Brisbane in being awarded the Olympics. And on my latest Men as Masterclass Patreon episode, I interviewed Robert Crash Craddock, and he spoke about how um, he would like to make it to the Brisbane Olympics as he's sort of – that's his carrot now. He wants to cover the Brisbane Olympics. So go and listen to Men as Masterclass. I
0: thought you meant as a sport, and I was like, what sports do you want to do?
1: Well <laughs> – you have to be equestrian at his age. That's the only one he could still do. <laughs> Shooting. Yeah, that's true. All
3: right, we'll be back with you. Hey, before I
1: we time. go, before we go, I think um, I've got. An, I've invented a new form of cricket for the Olympics. You know how cricket may well start to feature in the Olympics soon, and they've talked about it even being T10. I, I think that's too long. How about the fifty? Um, half of a fives each uh, at the Gabba, Brisbane, twenty thirty two. Crash covering it. I can see mm-hmm. it happening.
3: I like it. Someone actually did tweet me yesterday when I had a bit of a dummy spit about the line. Someone said, Oh, if that was in 100, you'd be a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: They're not I would, wrong.
3: I would just like to clarify if the 100 takes on AFL terms, I will not be a fan. All right. After the break, can't let it go and viewer mail. You're listening to the cricket unfiltered podcast. I'm Menes. I'm with Paul and Jaleesa. And thank you to Mr. Rugby League, who left a five star review. He's written, Dear Mr. Menzel, I write to you as I am a, I am a biggest fan of your podcast and loving it each week for a long time. I almost like it as much as the great cricket writer Andrew Wu and his story in the Aussie newspapers. I mean, that's all wrong. But anyway, can you please feature Mr Wu on your show maybe one day? It would please me greatly to have two big cricket brains talking about the game, you and Wu. Thank you. Who's thank the other cricket
0: brain we're going to get, though?
3: Okay, Wu and someone else. <laughs> yeah, Paul's going to be here, hopefully. Um, all right. So that was a nice review. Thank you very much. Uh, but let's get into Can't Let It Go, that little bit of cricket news you just can't let go of. Jaleesa, you want to open up with this one?
0: Uh, yes, I will. So I can't, I can't let it go. And I know I sound like a mouthpiece for um, the, all the jobs that go for Cricket Australia, but I do frequently go on Seek and see all the jobs going at Cricket Australia. That's
3: I don't really, really like, know. You just got a new job. So what's yeah, going yeah, on Channel 10? Was Sandra Sully mean to you? Has Berkey been giving you shit in the
0: background? No, I You're love looking on the love. way out? I love my Channel Ten crew, but um, for many years now, I have frequently checked the Cricket Australia jobs on Seek. I don't even know why I do it. I think I just like to know what's going on there. But also, um, probably secretly, even though I really like Cole Hitchcock and um, and Alex Brown, like they're both great blokes. I'm secretly hoping that one day they will get sick of their jobs and I can knife them and and get it. Um, they're Absolutely. the media managers for the people for people that don't know, and they just you know travel the world and. Watch cricket with the Australian team. I'm sure they do some work sometimes.
3: How good for the podcast would it be if you became the Australian cricket team's media manager?
0: Uh, Yeah, it would be amazing. Like, I'd definitely give you all the people that you wanted. Uh, Anyway, don't imagine those two are going anywhere anytime soon because they're quite good at their jobs. But anyway. If
3: If you see a data analyst job, please send it to Paul Dennett.
0: Will do. So they're not looking for a coach this time. Last time I was looking on there, Melbourne were, were looking for a coach in the Big Bash, which is quite um, amusing. I found it quite funny that they were looking on Seek. But anyway, I digress. This time there's a lot of legal jobs going uh, for in-house lawyers at Cricket Australia mm. and specifically listed is experience in broadcast rights,
2: which <laughs> So
0: so I just found that quite interesting because they're looking for legal counsel but then also senior lawyers. Uh, So I just found it quite interesting. I'm like, hang on, are they looking at renegotiating or are they looking at potential problems that could come up? What's going on here? But just a little bit of maybe something to watch, why they were looking for, you know, in-house legal counsel, in-house senior lawyers. Do you think it's too late for me to use my law degree? The shot across yeah, like, the
1: bowels of Channel 7 It's like, watch out. We're getting, we're yeah. wiring
0: up. <laughs> or are they looking towards the next broadcast deal and thinking, hang on, we need to negotiate a better one. But they're about
3: halfway through this deal, aren't they? About three years. so.
0: Oh, but negotiations for deals start almost immediately. Once, I mean, the NRL negotiations for that deal is like, it, they, their negotiations are well underway for that deal. And it doesn't run out for another couple of years.
1: Hmm. like US presidential cycles. The day yeah, is, exactly. See, that's when the really next is. election campaign starts.
3: Well, Jaleesa, good luck with your application. I hope you get the job. Thank you. Paul, <laughs> do you have a can't let it go?
0: Yeah,
1: so um, <clears throat> I preface this by saying obviously I know that in winter a minor tour of the West Indies is never going to make much of a splash given the football codes. But I, I just couldn't help notice that the Batuta Advocate had a satirical article um, about Sydney going into lockdown. And the headline was, Sydney Dad Really Struggling Through Lockdown with Only Wimbledon, Latour, Wallabies, Origin, Euros, NBA Finals, UFC, Boomers, Opals, British Open, AFL, and the NRL on TV. And I thought it was quite telling that even in a satirical article like that, the fact that the cricket didn't get a mention, um, just a bit disappointing that maybe more should have been done to promote it. My friends tend to be either casual cricket fans or strong cricket fans. None of them even knew this match was, these series of games were on. When I told them about it, their first response was, did the players even know that they're on? <laughs> um, and so I just think that maybe more could have been done to to, to promote them. It's a little bit disappointing.
0: I agree. And I think because of the because the um, broadcast deal rights to those games get done so late, the broadcasters really don't have time to promote it. It should be Cricket Australia promoting it.
3: Yeah, well, true all right, they should give us the job.
1: Definitely. But during the first one day, um, while the game was on, the group chat was all about the NBA and obscure Central American soccer games. And I thought, yeah, they should be watching the, the one day, but they don't know it's on.
0: No, I agree, Paul. No one really knew. Like a lot of people, um, I was like, how good have the 2020s been? Everyone's like, what? What 2020s? Like people don't know it's on. And it, it, is, it is a responsibility of Cricket Australia to push that harder. I
1: agree.
3: Thanks for asking me onto this group chat as well, Paul.
0: Yes, yeah, same. <laughs> well,
1: I, I posted a funny thing from the group chat a few weeks ago, and you guys didn't comment on it. It was hilarious. You're the Mitchell's podcast. What Star-
3: was it? Podcast.
0: I don't read. I read their group text messages all at once, and I'm like, ha ha. Oh, okay. Like so my reactions happen all at once.
3: Once a week, we get a Jaleesa response. <laughs>
4: all
3: right, my can't let it go is yesterday. I had my first. Dose of the Pfizer vaccine. And earlier in this podcast, I read out the Australian domestic schedule. It is obviously under a huge cloud because Australia is, lots of Australia is in lockdown. If you love cricket and you're eligible and your doctor says it's okay, go and get vaccinated. It's the best thing to do. Do it for cricket,
1: get the vaccine, whichever one it is.
0: Yeah, cool. I'm not eligible, but thanks.
1: Well, exactly. And Scott Morrison, um, get some bloody vaccines into the country, you turkey. But as much as I agree with you, Minnaz, I love the fact that your main concern for people getting the vaccine is because it might otherwise impact on the Sheffield Shield.
2: <laughs> <laughs> have they thought about running
0: this as an ad campaign? Like they should like have this really scary voice and be like, do you want to be locked out of the Sheffield Shield?
3: It's me walking no. around this SCG and it's empty and, uh, you know, I'm really forlorn and stuff.
0: Yep, love it.
1: Do yeah, you want another like- season with no Sheffield Shield final? That frightening prospect
3: could be a reality.
0: <laughs> oh, what you could—it'll
3: be scarier than that girl on the oxygen, that's for sure.
0: What you could do is you could do like do a walk around of the SCG, going, "Hi, I'm Andrew Mansell. You might know me from such things such as Cricket Unfiltered."
3: They—they they should actually—they um, should actually give vaccines when you go to the Shield, like just at the cricket. Just start vaccinating. I know Cricket New South Wales are doing something for their employees um, to encourage them to get vaccinated. So good on them. Uh, anyway, that's my political statement for the show. Um, you know, I've started off concerned about AFL, finished concerned about The Shield. It's a good good show. Okay. Well, you two, um, anything else before we sign off? Cricket Unfiltered for this week. No, I'm. I'm gonna go look, look
1: up. I've tried to Google AFL lines, and there's nothing. But I'll, I'll give you a bit <laughs> of a doubt minutes and, and, try and Google it further.
3: Okay, I was on SEN last night, speaking to someone in Melbourne who loves AFL, who works as a journalist, and he said, yes, it's a thing. It's you know the forward line has a meeting, the defensive line has a meeting, the the midfield line has a meeting. So, uh, I know I'm not an AFL expert, but I got that
0: right. I mean, defensive line, yeah, like. As in, you're going to break through someone's defensive line. Like, are you talking about? Like, that's an on-field term.
3: Anyway, it's it. Look, it's sorted out now. It was just Kerry going rogue. Thanks everybody for listening to Cricket Unfiltered, Jalisa. Good luck getting your job in the legal department of Cricket Australia, Paul. Have a great week. Speak to you soon. Thank
0: Thank you.
2: It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: Judy was boring. Hello. Then
1: Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>